This is Wayne Jernell, editor of Theory and Research in Social Education, and this episode of Visions of Education features a TRSE published author. Enjoy. You're listening to Visions of Education, a podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton, a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus. Michael, how do you know that your students understand history? I mean, like what ways do you have that they show you that they're, they're, they're getting it, that they're getting the real context of history? I wish there was um, like how I know when there's oil in my oil tank, like I put that little dipstick in and then I can see that we have, you know, oil or enough oil. I wish there was an easy way to do that. Um, in education, I feel like there's just so many different ways you can do it. You can like have a conversation, ask a question and have them discuss it together. You can have a question that kind of or something that kind of relates and see if they can make connection to it based upon what they know of the, you know, of the content. Well, I'm just glad that you're not sticking dipsticks into like students' ears to see if they Yeah, that, that would be a knowledge. terrible thing, right? <laughs> I was a little afraid that's where you were going. <laughs> I didn't even know where I was going. It just kind of happened. And when you think back to our episode with Francesca Forzani, which I think was episode 20, uh, we talked about the high leverage practices. And the, the third one on that list is eliciting and interpreting student thinking. I've been thinking about that a lot, how it's important as you're learning something to try to get students to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And I think in history, there's a lot of good ways, obviously writing, you know, their essays. That's you can, kind of you can like get a the sense easiest, of, not easiest, but yeah. that's like your, the, your most common way to do it. But I really like the idea of think alouds, having periodic think alouds where the students try to make sense of events. Maybe you give them like, you know, five or six like major topics to talk about and ask them to explain it and then kind of see like where are the misperceptions, what parts. Because if you can't explain something, you probably don't know it very well. That's very true. I think it would be interesting to actually if while people are listening, if they also want to take down some or jot down some ways that they elicit, you know, their student understanding and then maybe we can chat on Twitter sometime or on our Facebook page. Yeah, Visions of Ed. That would be a great topic for us to get going. So we'll, as we post this episode up, we'll definitely get that conversation going. This is the first episode in our partnership with the journal Theory and Research in Social Education. And we are really excited to have a guest with us who's going to help us explore this issue. We'd like to welcome in Tim Hyoken, who wrote an article that is published in TRSCE, and the title of that article is Toward Historical Perspective Taking, Students Reasoning When Contextualizing the Actions of People in the Past. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Thank you so much, all the way from the Netherlands. Thank you so much for having me and uh, providing the opportunity to discuss our research, so it's very nice. Before we go anywhere with our topic, can we talk about the Netherlands? Of course. Okay, so I know there's Holland. Yeah. Right. I know there's the Dutch. Yeah. Okay. And then there's the Netherlands, but I don't, and this is where my negligence of geography, I feel really terrible. I don't understand how it all fits together. It's all (laughs) the same. It's all the same. The Netherlands is the same as Holland. And yeah, we call ourselves the Dutch guys, the Dutch. Okay. Netherlands just sounds like a fun, a fun place to be. And they're, their national soccer uniforms are like bright orange, right? Yeah. I always, I always remember that, the bright 
and orange soccer uniforms. Correct. Yeah. And sorry, football uniforms. Football. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get more international with these. Okay. Why? And again, I, I apologize for my lack of geography and cultural uh, awareness. Why Netherlands? What does it mean? Yeah, the Netherlands, it means the lower countries. So it's uh, often below sea level. So uh, that's um, that's explaining the name. So the Netherlands, it means below sea levels, the ah. lower countries. Thank you so much. No problem. <laughs> so now that we have that out of the way, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe some of your background in education? Yeah, no problem. I'm 31 years uh, old. I live with my wife in a small town in the north of the Netherlands. Um, I like running. I like cycling. I also like to read and to travel. In June, we're going to visit uh, the United States for uh, almost three months, a short sabbatical leave. So we are renting an uh, RV and we're going to explore the beautiful uh, Rocky Mountains. Yeah, and I was raised in a family of uh, educators. My granddad was a head teacher at the primary school. Uh, my mother uh, worked as a primary school teacher and as a coach for special educational needs students. Uh, and my father still works as an educational advisor in uh, secondary education. So in my, my own professional life, I'm working as a history teacher educator and a researcher at the University of Groningen at the teacher education department. And I'm also still working as a secondary, as a history teacher at the secondary school in the city of Groningen. What, what is the Netherlands school system like and what is history teaching in the school system? Yeah, in the lower uh, secondary education, um, history is taught for all grades. And in upper secondary education, students can choose the subject of history. So I think almost half of the students are going to choose uh, the subject of history in upper secondary education, starting at 16, 15, 16 years old students. And what kind of choices are, are they making? Like, yeah, what options do they have? Not much. <laughs> uh, there's a national exam program. So it starts for all students. That's the, that's the same. And there's uh, a formal national history exam program. Uh, teachers have to teach the students. So they don't have much choice. I think in uh, the USA, they can choose different subjects or different areas am i correct so yeah on the like for ap uh which is you know That's, our our high level yeah there is like ap u.s history ap world history uh there's also like ap econ ap psychology there's a lot of different ap courses to to students can get into yeah we don't have that uh that choices uh, students in secondary education are taught the whole history, but it's very focused around European history. So uh, not much American history or Asian history or African history. It's very much, much focused on European history. So I teach world, uh, world history too, and I'm not going to lie to you. It is also very similar in which that it used to be called Western Civilization, and now they yeah. just kind of like shoehorned some, and not totally shoehorned, but they've put, you know, some, you know, African, Asian history as they relate to Europe. But it really does seem like a, a Eurocentric course. 
Yeah, yeah, very Eurocentric uh, course. It's also much criticized by many uh, teachers in the Netherlands because they want to teach more world history, uh, different perspectives, uh, different uh, themes. But uh, there are national exams, uh, so we have to prepare our students uh, for, for the national exams. So. Interesting. So we also complain about, you know, about how the history is, and we do try to bring more into it. Um, but we don't have national exams unless you're taking those AP courses. There are some states that have state exams at the end of a course, but there's not, you know, on the large level, just like a massive exam that every student takes in, in world or U.S. history. Okay, that's the difference uh, because in the Netherlands, uh, all students have to uh, conduct uh, a national exam. They are starting next next week, so uh, it's very oh, wow. exciting uh, for most students. So. <laughs> So, Tim, first, congratulations on publishing in theory and research and social education. It's not an easy journal to get published in. No, no, it's not. So uh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And I was listening to the podcast with uh, Wayne Journal. Um, and I think it's very uh, nice that he mentioned uh, uh, the articles from the Netherlands because there was another uh, article. Mm -hmm. So I think it's uh, the, the podcasts are very, very, very interesting. So great. Very nice. Well, and we're definitely excited to start, you know, learning from an international perspective. So can you tell us a little bit about your research into students' historical perspective taking? Yeah, I'm also a history teacher at the secondary school. So I experienced a lot of problems uh, among my students. They couldn't understand or explain the different historical events or historical agents' actions because they viewed uh, the past from a present-oriented perspective. So it was very hard for them to explain those actions. For example, uh, when I told my students that the Dutch Republic uh, exchanged the colony, New Netherlands, uh, currently New York City, uh, for the country of Suriname, uh, they reacted with, man, that's just stupid, giving up a world-class city. Uh, but if you look at the historical context, uh, it makes sense. Uh, but they could not see uh, that and they couldn't explain it. So I wrote a research proposal on this problem. And uh, this proposal was awarded with a uh, grant from the Netherlands Organization of Scientific uh, Research. And uh, this is a story uh, how I became a researcher uh, in the Department of uh, Teacher Education. And my research focuses on historical contextualization, uh, the ability to construct a historical context of a historical event or, or an action made by a historical agent in order to describe, explain or compare this event or action. So that's the main focus of my research. That's a big task, Michael. I, I'm sure you had trouble getting your students to have enough information about a time period to really understand why things happened or didn't happen at the time. And I remember when we talked to Jose Wilson a few episodes ago, it was kind of like talking about civil rights. I think students often look back on civil rights movements and they see these very sanitized versions of the end product, which is you know gaining some rights, but they often struggle to understand all the reasons why it was such a struggle. Does that make sense, Michael? Yeah. Do you have that, that experience? No, it does. It, it one of the things I, I like to think about is Neville Chamberlain and whether or not appeasement was the right way. In history, what everyone has been taught is that no, it was wrong because Hitler was able to, you know, take advantage of this. 
but you know, trying to give students the information that Chamberlain had and to understand his reasoning is something that it does take a bit more work. But yeah, you kind of have to divorce yourself from, you know, today's perspective and to do your best to kind of put yourself in that situation. Yeah, it's, it, that's very difficult for students because they tend to uh, reason from their own experience, from their own beliefs. Uh, so there's a great challenge, uh, I think, for history teachers to help our students to reconstruct a historical context. So once your proposal got accepted, what type of work did you put in? What were you thinking? How did you kind of create your your experiment, if you will? I was thinking about how we could help students to construct a historical context uh, in order to promote students' historical thinking, historical reasoning, if you would like to say. The main research question uh, of our article, which we have published in uh, Theory and Research in Social Education, was to examine uh, students' reasoning when they reconstruct the historical context. Uh, so we could examine uh, which scaffolds they used, which knowledge they used. Uh, so it's very interesting to see how students reason when they're trying to reconstruct a historical context. So what did you find? I mean, how, what can teachers do to help students think? And I think some of these skills probably apply to other areas of teaching too. It's like, how do you get students to kind of step outside of their time and place and think about history and historical actors and their agency in making decisions? Yeah, one of the results we found was uh, that the excellent performing students uh, use more historical knowledge. <laughs> so it, it might make uh, sense, but students who performed very well on the assignment, uh, which we have used in the, in the study, um, showed far more historical knowledge of periods uh, of the circumstances compared to lower uh, performing students. So I think it's very important and it's also stressed by other uh, studies that you need historical context knowledge in order to perform uh, what we call historical perspective taking. And that's the ability to explain decision made by a historical agent. So that's one. But we also found that the excellent performing students uh, used more types of knowledge. So they combined different kinds of knowledge. Uh, for example, the, the, the most excellent performing students used political knowledge, uh, economic knowledge, uh, but also uh, knowledge of uh, events uh, as, as a uh, timeline, uh, so a uh, sequence. Uh, so he combined f more types of knowledge uh, to explain the historical agent's action. That's interesting because on the advanced placement tests, I remember, Michael, um, even teaching when I taught U.S. AP history, AP U.S. history, oftentimes the questions, the prompts students have would ask them to, for example, look from a social, political, and economic perspective, or at least we would teach them to do that. And so... That is one thing that I've tried to do, but it's not always easy to get students to look from that many perspectives at, a, at an event and try to figure that out. What can teachers do to help students actually you know, do that work? Yeah, 
very excellent uh, question. I think uh, teachers uh, could provide students with with scaffolds focusing on using different frames of reference. So students need a timeline of historical events, but they also need to know the spatial context of the historical events, uh, where was the historical events happening. And moreover, they need political, economic and social knowledge. So teachers could use those frames of reference um, as scaffolds to learn students how to perform historical perspective taking. So they have scaffolds in order to solve a historical perspective task. I'm sure that there's probably like one of those, you know, acronyms that you're like, it's like SPEG, Spatial Political Economic Geography, <laughs> yeah. although I think that's spatial too. Or something, yeah, or timeline, maybe it'll be speckle or... <laughs> I mean, I, I don't... I, <laughs> I know I know in the US, the two, Michael, I, I'm familiar with is, well, one was soaps. We use soaps, so it's like, it's starts with subject occasion audience and you know goes on and then some people would use soapstone which was to add the tone to understand the tone of it all but that's for like analyzing a primary document right yeah that was specific to analyzing a primary document but i think that would help you get into the same type of thinking you know and and it's the same for um we had the stanford history education group joel joel breakstone from the stanford history education group they think historical reading skills consist of sourcing the documents, looking, you know, where's this from, who's saying it, you know, where's it taking place, all those things. They corroborate the documents, you know, who, what, what do other documents say about this same event or same issue? Um, they contextualize them to understand the time place, which I think maybe could kind of fit with some of the historical and political science issues. And then they do close reading of those documents. And so I, I see some overlay, although, you know, it's not just looking at primary documents that you have to do to make sense of this. So they actually have a, a neat graphic for contextualization, which is like, it's like a dartboard where right in the middle, you have the event. Right around it, you have like the, you know, people surrounding the event, the events that led up to the event, kind of like the timeline. And then around that is like the context, like what's going on historically, where this fits in. And so it's kind of a narrowing in, but also making sure that you're looking out. So you might only have that little event, but then it's stepping back what caused the event, stepping further back, what's going on in society that, you know, makes people act the way they do. I think it's very... um very interesting to uh, examine if those kinds of instruments can help uh, students uh, in our new research. Uh, we are trying to examine um, uh, classroom material that promotes uh, the ability to perform historical contextualization uh, based on providing uh, scaffolds, uh, but also training students to uh, set aside their present oriented perspective. So that's very interesting to see uh, if students could improve their their ability. Have you tried giving them different hats, like a time traveler hat? And so this would be a different type of hat than you would wear today, you know, like your typical baseball hat or scally hat or, you know, bowl or whatever. And it would be <laughs> like a historian. So this way you'd wear the hat of the you know, time period. Is that something that has ever come up in your in your discussion? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Was, <laughs> so, was Michael's strategy literally? Was it literally wearing hats? <laughs> yes, it was. I was speaking quite literally here. 
<laughs> I thought that was a metaphor for something. Um, <laughs> it would but, be uh, good if it was a metaphor, but no, I was really speaking quite literally. I actually do have a collection <laughs> of historical hats. <laughs> I've ne- I've seen the hat lesson where you uh, in pol- go- in political science where you have or government class where the students make different hats for the different roles that the president takes. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, yeah, because they wear many hats. That's the whole. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're off the hats. No more hat discussion for the rest of our our time together. <laughs> Another result of our uh, study was, uh, for example. Uh, and not a hat, but uh, and then uh, another implication is that students in our research were skipping uh, scaffolds that uh, include the role of the historical agents. So uh, they didn't focus on the position of the historical agent in societies. So uh, does the historical agent has a lot of money? Um, they didn't consider those knowledge uh, those type of knowledge so that's that's very interesting also for teachers because they could help students to focus on this point so when students are performing a historical perspective task they could train students also to consider the the role of the historical agent in society so i think that's also a very uh, good point for teachers that's interesting. I was talking recently with some of my students, and and we were looking at um specifically, uh, Sojourner Truth, ain't I a woman? And I think students kind of struggled with the difficulty of placing Sojourner Truth in a time where she's an an African American woman during a during slavery. And so, and I think they struggled with seeing the agency that she had when she gave that speech. Because they had centraled in on like her being a victim of history in that time period. And so I think students sometimes struggle with complexity where you can have both oppression and agency. And I don't know, is that something that came up in your study? Or I guess, do you have advice for teachers even in how they can help students to move towards seeing more accurate views of history? Uh, We talked with a lot of teachers and they all said that they didn't use historical maps when they explained historical events to their students. So, And I think that's a very interesting and important point because students also need uh, to know about the spatial location, the spatial context of a historical event. So we advised uh, the teachers to use historical maps uh, when they explain historical events or decisions made by historical agents. And they are starting to do this and they are very excited about this. And they think that their students are better performing in uh, the ability to perform historical perspective taking and the ability to perform historical contextualization. So it seems like there's a lot of, you know, using maps, using the person's role in society. If you could just like summarize some of the the major advice you have for teachers to get students to think more with perspective taking. Yeah, I think uh, the first thing is uh, using the different frames of reference uh, for teachers and for students. So when you use the different frames of reference, you are going to reconstruct the whole historical context um, and you are far more better uh, in explaining historical agents' decisions. So that's uh, that's one thing. Second, I think 
that teaches could instruct students to consider uh, the role of the historical agent. So focus on the position uh, of a historical agent in society. Did he belong to a wealthy family or was he poor? And finally, I think it's very important when you're trying to explain historical events or uh, decisions, actions made by historical agents, uh, sure, you need to provide a whole con context. Uh, so always show maps, uh, provide timelines, um, and provide different types of knowledge. Uh, I think those three points are very important for, uh, for history teachers. Thank you so much. That, those are some really great tips. Yeah, no problem. So, Tim, I mean, thank you so much for joining us. We really will want everyone to uh, go to the article. It's it's published in the first issue of TRSE of 2017, and the article is called Toward Historical Perspective Taking, Students' Reasoning When Contextualizing the Actions of People in the Past. And uh, it's a great work. And again, congratulations on being published. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you so much for having me. We were thrilled to have you. Tim, where can our listeners find you and any of your work online? Yeah, it's the uh, personal uh, home uh, uh, page of my university. Uh, so I can provide a link and they see all my work. And we'll make sure to link that on our show notes so that people can click onto it. Yeah, that would be great. So thank you so much. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you again so much for joining us. And we definitely will continue the discussion online and in other spaces. Great. Thank you so much. It was very interesting, uh, this opportunity. So <laughs> a little bit different than we uh, are used to, but uh, it, was, uh, it was very nice. Yeah, and we appreciate you coming on. At uh, It's getting pretty late your time. It's the middle of the afternoon for me, but it's, it's late in the Netherlands. Thank you so much. We're all about sharing the learning at the Visions of Education podcast. If you're doing something creative in education, or if you just want to chat, hit us up. On Twitter, at Visions of Ed. We're also on Facebook. And, of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere you want us to be. If you write us a five-star review, we'll read it on the air, and it helps people find this podcast. So, thank you for doing so. And it makes us happy. <laughs> it makes us happy, people. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Kretka. And I'm at 42 Think Deep. Until next time, this is the Visions of Education podcast, signing off. Okay, we're off the hats. No more hat discussion.